0: Wednesday, May 31st is World No Tobacco Day. World No Tobacco Day is observed to inform people of the dangers of using tobacco, the activities of tobacco companies, and what should be done in the future to protect everybody against the severe health hazards associated with smoking. Dr Sally Bristow is a Senior Lecturer of Nursing and has been working in this field for years, having obtained qualifications from the University of Technology, University of Newcastle, and the Australian Catholic University. She also holds multiple roles within the University of New England, including the Chair of the School Education Committee and the University Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Employment Governance Committee. Dr Bristow has also taken a keen interest in the elimination of tobacco smoking, having worked within smoking cessation for quite some time. Today, I'm delighted to welcome her to Tune FM's Airwaves to discuss World No Tobacco Day and Australians' actions to bring down smoking-related deaths. So thank you so much for joining me today, Dr Sally Bristow. We've just got a couple of questions. Um, first off, do you think World Tobacco Day is important, and do you think it's working effectively?
1: Thanks for having me today. Yes, I do think World Tobacco Day is very essential and really important today. If we think about the World Health Organisation and World No, No Tobacco Day, in 2023, we are focusing on grow food, no tobacco. I think if we think about tobacco globally, why would we grow tobacco when we can grow food or feed our world? We know many of the third world are starving, so why are we growing tobacco? Tobacco is grown in over 124 countries, taking up land that could be used to grow crops that feed millions of people, driving down food insecurity. Another consideration is is um, the, des- the desiccation and the environmental impact and the degradation that ta- tobacco farming has and may contribute in the future. Tobacco farming uses many pesticides as it is a resource-intensive type of farming, requiring heavy use of pesticides and fertilisers, which contribute to soil de- degradation. Tobacco farming accounts for for about 5% of the total deforestation and not many people realise that and it contributes to CO2 emissions and climate change. So it takes about roughly one tree to make 300 cigarettes. Um, so, and it also contributes to the loss of biodiversity. And I'm sure our academics in the e- ERS faculty or the School of ERS would be able to contribute more to this conversation about this area. Obviously, being a nurse, my focus is on people's health. So, now let's think about the health impacts of tobacco, um, our cities, and the impact on our healthcare system. According to the World Health Organization, the tobacco epidemic is one of the biggest public health threats the world has ever faced. And it kills more than 8 million people a year, including around 1.2 million deaths from exposure to secondhand smoke. So people don't realise that even if you don't smoke, you are exposed to secondhand smoke. Although the rate of cigarette smoking is decreasing, uh, in Australia and several other countries, it still remains really high and a threat to public health worldwide, particularly in the south, Central Southeast Asia as well as in Eastern Europe. And the world's lo- largest smoking populations are in Europe, East Europe, and Asia. Um, within Australia we've been pretty lucky uh, tobacco is reducing the use of tobacco but it still contributes to 8 disease groups including 39% of respiratory diseases are smoking related 22% of cancers are related to smoking and 11% of cardiovascular disease and 6.2% of infections and 3.2% of endocrine disorders so diabetes has a close link with smoking unfortunately While well, we've come a long way in Australia and it's mostly due to our regulations, our policy. We are world leaders in policy. Um, if we have got any smokers out there, you'd probably be aware of the cost of cigarettes because of tax. We have really strict campaigns and program control on smoking. So we're lucky. So tobacco control is far from completed. Um, many of you may know vaping control is just getting started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like it's not just, you know, the health concerns, it's, It impacts everything.
1: It does. And I don't think people realise the environmental impact of smoking.
0: No, personally, I wasn't aware of it. I'm sure that most people who smoke aren't aware of it. Um, So why is quitting important and what are some of the health effects from using tobacco products? Does that affect how easy it is for people to quit? So I'll I'll talk about easiness of quitting because that's actually – It is
1: not easy to quit at all, and, um, yeah, it's very difficult. But put simply, tobacco dependence is a chronic disease um, that offers and requires repeated interventions and multiple attempts to quit. An addiction to tobacco products is caused by the drug nicotine, so that's what causes the addiction it is very very addictive and on average it takes about eight attempts to give up many of you know that tobacco is made from the leaves of a tobacco plant it contains nicotine which is the addictive drug and regular cigarette smoking can lead to nicotine dependence and that's Why it makes it hard to give up because of that nicotine dependence. Nicotine dependence is often influenced by both genetic predisposition and environmental factors. People don't realize if they smoke during pregnancy and they've got the gene, they're exposing an unborn baby that will automatically, when they start smoking, be addicted very quickly. Some people get addicted quicker than others. When you smoke tobacco, in cigarettes, you can smoke it in pipes as well and cigars. I don't know if you've any of you have seen the water pipes that people use. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you absorb the toxic, um, the toxins and cancer-causing chemicals that affect your health. And the risk of developing cardiovascular disease and cancers is very high, and in particular COPD. I see many clients with, um, it's called chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, mm-hmm. in their 40s, and they're probably the ones that started – smoking in their late teens and by the 40s they've already got signs of copd once you've got it you can't get rid of it yeah.
0: is that different if you chew tobacco
1: right i'm going to talk a little bit about yeah. that because you think you think about the different types of tobacco yeah. consumption yeah. yeah so the most common forms of tobacco use is inhaling through cigarettes and that's yeah. what most of us think about but there are the pipes and there are cigars but However, there are smokeless tobacco, and it refers to a variety of tobacco products that are either sniffed, sucked, or chewed. Yeah, so they're just as um, addictive and just as dangerous.
0: Just as bad, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, did you want to talk a bit about vaping?
0: Yeah, so can you tell us a bit more about vaping and the effects that it has had on the number of Australians that smoke?
1: So about 10 years ago, vaping started coming in. Vaping is the act of using an e-cigarette. Yeah. So originally, we probably in health called it e-cigarettes, where I guess people call it vaping. So these e-cigarettes are devices that deliver an aerosol by heating a solution that users breathe in. The aerosol is commonly referred to as vapor, and using an e-cigarette is commonly known as Vaping. Vaping. Yeah. <laughs> the liquid used in the cigarettes may contain a range of toxin chemicals, including those that add flavor. So people say they smoke. Is it lemonade or... Or whatever the flavour is because it tastes good. Yeah, yeah. Of course, that makes
0: it attractive to younger people.
1: That's right. And um, they can be labelled nicotine-free. Many believe the e-cigarettes are less damaging for you than traditional cigarette smoking. With a rise in vaping in Australia, particularly among young people, it's easy to understand the long-term health risks. We Mm -hmm. don't really know a lot of them yet. We do prescribe e-cigarettes for smoking cessation. I don't know if people realise that. But when we're looking at smoking cessation, we calculate how many years people have smoked for and how many packs. So we call it a pack year history. So some people are used to smoking 54 cigarettes a day. These are intense people that have smoked a lot and have real tobacco dependence. So in that way, prescribing an e-cigarette is good because we're trying to reduce that nicotine dependence. But unfortunately, while we use it as a smoking cessation form, it's also adding to people taking up smoking.
0: It's very much becoming sort of almost a gateway.
1: Yeah, it is, unfortunately. Um, So it's become a way of people taking up and becoming addicted to nicotine. Now, I know it's illegal to sell cigarettes in Australia with nicotine in them. Um, but the largest problem, problem with vaping in Australia is at the moment is we don't know what e-liquids or solutions are in the the cigar, the vaping cigarettes, the e-cigarettes. It's actually like a basically a cocktail of chemicals and toxins mm. that you're putting into your lungs, and that's the problem. So there's real safety issues with that, particularly around respiratory health of young people, and um, the report that 100% of e-cigarettes weren't accurately labelled. Yeah. So these e-cigarettes aren't accurately labelled to exactly what's in them, and that's what the research is showing us. And 20% of these e-cigarettes that said they had no nicotine have nicotine yep. in them. Um, so, you know, the 100% of the chemicals
0: oops, um, are, are unidentified at the moment. Which, of course, makes it that much harder to really establish what they're doing to the body. But from what research there is, do we know if there is a difference between the health effects of nicotine based vapes and nicotine free?
1: Vapes. Well, it's still nicotine. It's still dependence, yeah. and it depends on how many you take. Like I just spoke to you before about someone that might have a pack year history of fifty four, yeah, versus someone that has a pack history of eight. And you know, there are certain techniques we use in smoking cessation when we talk to people. We have um, certain scores and things like that we use to really work out what people's addictions are. Right. I guess you brought up a really good point before that it is a gateway to smoking, um, and. It is not regulated, and this is the problem because when we start paying taxes and things like that on e-cigarettes, it's going to cost a lot of money to have them. At the moment, they're quite cheap. People buy them illegally. You know, they're cheap, so people might be smoking one every hour sort of thing. So we don't know. Um, They're becoming increasingly popular with young people, which is a real concern. Um, And if you want to know why, it's because... Companies, like they did the tobacco industry back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, promote it. So I know in Australia it is illegal to promote a vaping problem. Uh, products, You know, we can't advertise them. But companies are very, very clever. They yeah. have very good strategies and they focus on social media.
0: And they make them appealing.
1: They do. They think. make them very appealing. They seem cool. They create these amazing flavours for people. Um, and they appeal to young people because they've got that sweet smell and taste. Mm-hmm. Um but it is illegal to sell vape products containing nicotine in New South Wales. But as I said before, 21% actually have nicotine in them. However, it's also illegal to sell vapes or e-liquids that do not contain nicotine to people unless they're... Or it is legal. You can sell them, but they've got to be over 18. Yeah. But how many of us see young people in school uniform? Yeah, exactly. Using them.
0: Yeah. Are the non-nicotine vapes, are they just as addictive?
1: They can be, and but the problem in them with them is the chemicals. We yeah. actually don't know what's in them. As as I said before, what's labelled is a hundred percent inaccurate pretty yeah. much. And um sixty two percent of the contained chemicals are likely to be toxins. Mm. And if they repeatedly, those toxins are gonna build up in your lungs and in your bloodstream and in your body. And that's the problem. We just don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's... It's
1: unregulated. It's
0: unregulated, which is definitely one of the biggest problems. And I imagine that because we don't know what's in them, we can't predict the long-term health effects until we get to a point where we are seeing the long-term yeah. health effects.
1: It's probably like smoking. You know, many people start smoking, well, you know, I'm in my 50s, but people started smoking in their teens. They become addicted, particularly if they're predisposed or got that genetic pre mm. to smoking. Um you don't realise the effect of it till you're, say, 45. You've been diagnosed with COPD. You've now got three kids and you're thinking, wow, I can't keep up with them. I now have to go to cardiac rehab. I've got to now try and give up a habit or an addiction that is really hard to give up. Yeah. Yeah, And And that's what will happen.
0: Yeah. And so is that part of the work that you do in smoking cessation? Um, Can you tell us a bit more about what that is and what type of work you did within
1: that field? Yeah, so I... I was a trained smoking cessation counsellor. The reason is because I work in chronic disease. Mm -hmm. And the majority of my work has been in chronic conditions or chronic disease, particularly amongst the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. So my key message as a healthcare professional is that all healthcare professionals play a role in smoking cessation. So not only do I do smoking cessation and counselling for clients – but also my role was also to educate healthcare professionals. It is essential that all clinicians and healthcare systems consistently identify, document tobacco use. It's really important. And every tobacco user um, is seen in healthcare setting, setting is given smoking cessation advice. They're given um, ways to effectively quit or increasing crit rates by motivation and quit attempts. And health professionals can also... Um, provide smoking cessation advice so my main role was counseling and motivation we see people on a regular schedule so it might be weekly for the first month and then it might be fortnightly and then monthly and then we can maybe move up to six months and the main advice or strategies about nicotine is the withdrawal symptoms they're huge and we've got to work through them so we build people up before we quit and let them know what the withdrawal symptoms will be. We teach them how to manage these, and we also talk about medications because some people don't realise how to take the medications. A, a good example is there's gum; people will chew it, but the idea of it's you chew it till it tingles, and you park it in your gum because it's absorbed through the gum. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it makes you sick. So people say, "Oh, I will take the nicotine, but it makes uh, the gum, but it makes me sick." And it's like, "Well, how are you taking it?" Yeah, we teach people about patches. A smoker with a pack year history of 12 is completely different to a smoker with a patch. pack year history of 54. So every treatment's individual. Everybody's different. Everybody will use different things, whether they use gum, patches, micro tabs, mouth spray, all those different options. It's different for everybody. And that's why we always recommend counselling and medication, not yep. just one or the other. Yeah.
0: So back in 2011, Australia became the first country in the world to have plain packaging laws, which basically, as you know, require tobacco products to be sold in very unappealing and plainly coloured packaging. And many of them now have, you know, images of some of the health issues. Do you think these laws have been effective in reducing the number of people who
1: smoke? Definitely. Yes. So our smoking rates in Australia have gone down dramatically. Yeah. So, you know. We used to have a lot of kids smoke. We used to have, uh, in corrections, you could smoke, you could smoke on aeroplanes, train stations, in offices. Even when I started nursing, they were still smoking in the nursing stations. Wow. So, you know, it has changed considerably, you know, where we might have had a population of about, you know, 60% of smokers. We're now right down into the, you know, 10 11%. There are certain population groups Remote and very remote still have high smoking rates, and our indigenous population still has smoke high smoking and mental health. Mm. So we target programs specifically for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and for our um, patients with mental health conditions as well. Corrections have done a very good job of reducing smoking cessation because you could no longer smoke in jails.
0: Yeah, yeah. So several tobacco companies back then expressed. Quite extreme opposition to these laws, um, with multiple companies actually suing the Australian government in the aftermath. Does the amount of power that these large tobacco corporations hold pose a problem in protecting Australians' health? Do they still have that much power?
1: Well, let's look at vaping and yeah. the companies behind yeah. that. So yes, they still do have power. I guess my concern, as you know, you know, in terms of social justice, is now that we are start targeting the third world countries and these companies are targeting those and exploiting these countries particularly farmers because Mm. um you know producing food is so much more important than producing tobacco and tobacco will ruin their land where you know if we can get food growing it will be so much more valuable it'll actually be more profitable as well where of course the companies are going to say it's going to be more profitable to farm food than tobacco
0: so, and and speaking of vaping, Australia is looking at banning recreational vaping, um, and that was a range of new regulations that were announced last month. And under these new laws, the importance of all non-prescription vapes will the importation sorry of all non-prescription vapes will be prohibited, and single use and disposable vape vapes will be banned, as well as reducing the you know the number of the amount of nicotine in vapes, and there will be a minimum quality standard for vapes. Um, Do you think this is a really sensible decision?
1: Very, yeah, and it's about time it's regulated. So, I mean, even living in Armidale, we can see the vaping shops popping up. I think there's about three now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we can see it in, in our community and I think it's going to be really important to regulate it. And as you said, some of the regulations are very recent, very recent. So there are groups such as the Lung Foundation in Australia that are working very strongly and and some academics that are working really strongly to make sure that we uh, push the government and the Therapeutic Goods Association on uh, making sure that we regulate it within Australia.
0: Mm. What are some further steps do you think Australia could take? I know we've seen in New Zealand that new laws have been passed that makes it illegal for young individuals to purchase cigarettes so anyone born on or after the 1st of January in 2009 going forward they just can't purchase cigarettes do you think that we should look into similar legislation here
1: definitely and I think it will come Um, I think the Australian government is really committed to Australia's health Mm -hmm. and um, our Australian Institute of Health and Welfare will are starting to publish data on this so yes it will definitely come and I think New Zealand's been you know, at the forefront of this. And we were at the forefront for smoking cessation, so why can't we be at the forefront for vaping cessation?
0: Exactly, yeah. Okay. And for anyone who wants to quit smoking or quit vaping, do you have any advice for them?
1: Yeah, the quit line's probably the best, and yep. their phone number is 13 78 48. But just start with your GP. And uh, alongside your GP, there's nurses and pharmacists, and don't hesitate to reach out because All healthcare professionals are trained in Mm -hmm. some sort of um, uh, smoking cessation. The other place is the Lung Foundation Australia. has a great website with resources, but they'll also refer to the quit line. The quit line is very, Mm -hmm. very good. They're trained advisors and they plan and develop strategies to quit smoking.
0: Yeah. What are some ways that as individuals we can support our friends or family members who might want to quit smoking? Do you have any advice?
1: So I guess the main thing is... um, If you've got habits of smoking, say you always smoke after dinner or anything, it's breaking those habits. So if you go out with a meal with your friends and you know they're going to smoke after their meal, just say, why don't we just sit and have a drink over here where you can't smoke or try and um, encourage them to give up. I think what is hard with smoking is if you're in a relationship where your partner is a smoker and you see others smoking, that will encourage you to smoke. So it's about trying to form new habits, separate from that, really encourage people because it's really hard to give up if they do start smoking again encourage them to give up again so don't there's no blame i don't think there should be any blame with addiction it is really hard to give up so it's about that encouragement and motivation and just assisting people in changing their habits
0: yeah that's really great advice thank you so much and thank you for coming in to talk to us today about tobacco and really the far-reaching effects that it has you know not just on our health but on community and the environment that's something that i think a lot of people really need to hear
1: yeah thanks ash for having me it was great to Come and talk to everyone.
0: Yeah, of course. And can people, is there any place that people can find you as a researcher? Um...
1: So a lot of my research now is not in smoking. Not in smoking, yeah. It's more my clinical background, but I'm always happy to talk to people about it. I do sometimes go and talk to GPs around the community at their conferences and things like that. So, yeah, I still um, are very much involved and and lecture in that area, but I'm very happy to talk to anyone and just reach out through the UNE email system at sbristow.com at une.edu.au.
0: Yeah. And for anyone who does want to quit smoking, that Quit Light number is 13 Quit. So 137848, like Sally said. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening.
1: Thank you.